Hey, Kevin Draves here with The Howl for Diamond Box Bluetooth Speakers. I got to tell you, I play basketball at the gym down the road for me all the time. And sometimes I go late at night. I bring my Diamond Box. And now they're introducing three new systems. The new L2, XL2, and M2 all feature stereo sound by themselves or split stereo sound with wireless syncing of two units for a live sound experience. Loud enough for any environment. And I kid you not, you could play this at low volume and you'll hear it in any room of your house. This is the most powerful Bluetooth boombox speaker on the market today. Check them out on Twitter at Diamond Box Co. That's box with two X's, Diamond Box Co. Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Welcome, everybody, to The Den. This is The Howl. We would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other that features all teams and all topics from everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is brought to you by our wonderful supporting partners, Rhymesayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on the Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. I am the underhand free throw of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves. To my right is Aaron I Got Next Groshan, the producer of our show. And to the left is Rob Hookshot Hess, who is the jack of all trades for the program. First half of the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and we are joined by Ryan James at Ryan James MN. He is a national analyst for Prep Hoop. Uh, he also does North Star and Prep Dakota, so not only on the national level, but he is here in Minnesota as well as the Dakotas. Uh, Ryan, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Uh, no question. Teaching's over. Basketball weekend's over. Right now is the perfect time to reflect. Let's uh, let's in fact reflect on it. So you've been writing for Gopher Illustrated now. Your bio says 15 years. Is that right? Yeah, this was the 15th year, 15th season I've covered Gopher basketball. But I mean, it's 
I was, you know, I was a manager on the team before that. My cousin played on the team before that. So it's been, gopher basketball has been something that's been a part of me for probably since I picked up this book that Kevin McHale on it, the Pillsbury Classic Gold Country book when I was in middle or elementary school. It's just been something I've followed with a passion for a long time. So 15 years and now the, the gopher season officially is over with that uh, uh, 20 point loss to Michigan State. Uh, over the weekend and first things first I want to talk about a guy who I think coming into the season you know everybody appreciated but not really on the level that maybe we should have and that's Jordan Murphy Uh, he's not obviously able to play too much in the game against Michigan State with the back spasms but uh, in your time with Gopher Illustrated uh, talk to me about the the progression that you've seen out of Jordan Murphy you know honestly my progression with Jordan Murphy started in Chicago, um, when the the year before his senior year, I remember watching him because I know the Gopher staff had been in contact with him, so I remember putting him on my list of guys to watch. And I remember thinking, you know, this is kind of a, a George, this is kind of a Trevor McBlockway style athlete, size wise, strength, bounce, and the way he runs. Um, but at that point, it didn't really click that he was going to be what he is today. And then when he when he got uh, got free of VCU and Minnesota grabbed him. I thought that was a huge pickup. And then as things go from there, I mean, initially he's a guy that can't get out of foul trouble, just goes baseline, but goes so hard that he's immediately putting up numbers as a freshman. But if you remember back then, everyone was like, why are they starting Joey King? Start Jordan Murphy. And, you know, it, it was it was kind of a daily daily th- daily fight. But then you know, he started later in the year, and then you see his uh, his moves started improving, going over left shoulder, going over right shoulder, getting better with a dribble. Free throw percentage went up every single year. His And then at first he was a terrible – well, let's not beat around the bush. He was not the best team basketball player in terms of team defender, but that came along, you know, big time as the years went on. And he's just – he progressed into such a – all-around leader, all-around guy you want to cheer for. Such a great character slash student um, leader for this team, and and has become an all-time great. Yeah, and in the you know never missing a practice, never missing a, a game up until this uh, Michigan State game, where he I think it was about four minutes of of actual gameplay um, and checking in at the tail end was was all he got with the back spasms. You know, I, I tweeted on uh, right before the game of, you know, regardless of the outcome, let's let's just take this time to just enjoy Jordan Murphy, the basketball player, because, you know, it's not something that that as a gopher fan and, you know, there's a there's a potential of, of him getting drafted, at least I hope ending up on an NBA team in some capacity, because like you said, he's that he's that locker room guy. But, you know, the second most rebounds in the Big Ten all time. uh for a guy who's six foot eight, you just don't kind of you don't expect that. Well, I wouldn't give him six eight either. I give him six six. Six like, six. Okay. All right. I, I, give, I give him six six. As much <laughs> as I love Jordan Murphy, I'll give him six six with a lot of hair. And you know, Jordan is gonna make money in basketball because overseas, like I say, it doesn't work out here. He's gonna they're gonna flock to see him overseas just because He's such an explosive player on the basket. But he's also a guy that, as much as everybody around here enjoyed, everybody probably took him a little bit for granted because a double-double is not something that's common. But for Jordan Murphy, it was as common as, you know, as common as driving to work for most of us. It's like, yep. oh, I got 
I I had 12 points, 11 boards. Yep, you did. You know, and but that's <laughs> it's rare for some people. But then you got Jordan with these monster games: 21 boards, 19 boards. It it, it became ridiculous. Yeah, he is. Uh, like like you said, I think a lot of people took him for granted, and you see, you know, the videos posted on Twitter of uh, of Patino taking him out out of the game one last time for that curtain call, and you see comments from you know Michigan State fans and Wisconsin fans. I mean, he was he was incredibly well respected across the Big Ten, which in a, in a college level you don't see a lot because of those rivalries. No doubt, and when the best way to to show that is. He was first team all Big Ten because the the media around the around the around the Big Ten they all voted for him, you know, and that's the respect that he earned. You know, I, I was I wasn't sure that he was going to get that just because there were you know some games where he struggled with length and didn't have the best shooting percentages, so I wasn't sure that. And, and Minnesota went nine eleven in the Big Ten, so I wasn't sure that he was going to get all Big Ten. But it was a real, it was a it was really nice to see um, him get first team because of the respect that you've brought up. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he ends up on an NBA squad. Um, you know, if not uh, drafted, at least as a as a free agent, maybe a G League call up because I mean the, the the guy's an absolute workhorse. And and now the the tough task for the Gophers is moving on from Jordan Murphy. Um, in the you know in the sense of finding somebody to to fill his shoes or multiple players to fill his shoes, um, and that's going to be a tough task. We saw a lot from Daniel Oturu as a freshman this year that that you know, brings on some positivity, but for the, for the Gophers, let's, let's talk a little bit about this upcoming recruiting class. Cause myself included, I think there's a lot of people that aren't super familiar with some of the guys that we're getting. So who are the guys that the Gophers are, are bringing in or even kind of in that closer stage to bringing in that could help fill that void? Well, pretty much what's going to happen is the Gopher coaches are now, in a, you know, just, they, their job detail is now going to be recruiting. Uh, of course, they're going to have to manage their players in terms of what they do on a daily basis academically and workout-wise, but now their job is lock in with recruiting. Um, they have a really nice player to build on to begin with in Trey Williams. Trey is a 19-year-old prep school kid who is from Texas, and actually his family, his mom's side of the family is from Minnesota. Like He's a okay. relative of Jalen Suggs. Um, yeah. And he's coming in, you know, he's the type of kid who he played in the EYBL was on a stack team, got a little bit overlooked because he was on that stack team last, last summer, um, went into a prep school for the second year in Utah and had a phenomenal year to the point where like all national guys, my, my, myself included at prep hoops, put him in a top 125, high three-star, low four-star guy. He's a guy that you can trust to work hard. He has the physique. Um, he's going to be able to shoot some, definitely defend a lot. You're probably going to play him at the three just because he's so strong. He'll be able to defend other threes, but you can play him at the two. He's an excellent start to what they're trying to do, and now they have three scholarships left, maybe more depending on transfers. Although right now I don't know that – we're going to get a transfer. Um, 1990, that is the last year. I went back through the record books about three, four years ago to see when the last time a guy didn't transfer out of Minnesota that had a scholarship. And it was 1990 that I quit looking. Not that oh, wow. that was the last one. It was when I quit looking because so, I got tired of researching. <laughs> like, this might be the year. I mean, you know, there's speculation about Michael Hurd because – 
Sid Hartman somehow wrote something in the article. No, Sid, Michael Hurt, I believe, fully is coming back. I know Richard Pitino wants him back. Michael, Michael's, I believe Michael wants to be back. It sounds like he wants to be back. I believe Michael Hurt will be here, be part of this team. So I'm not worried about that. What's going to happen with Isaiah Washington? I don't know. Isaiah said he wants to be here. You know, and if you're Minnesota, you kind of want these guys back because you already have four scholarships, you know, four new guys coming in in that way, and you have two transfers coming in. So that was, that's going to be six new guys minimal. Yep. So you really don't want too many more transfers. So at your original question was who's coming in? Well, you have a you have as visits and type of you know who is who are they looking at? The two biggest names right now are Grant Sherfield and Austin Crowley. Both of them are top 100 guards. Both of them play together at Sunrise Christian. Grant was here last month, and he was in the crowd for the Purdue for the Purdue um, victory at home on senior night. He had a great time. The, uh, he was really impressed with the way Coach Fatino uses guards. Um, I, after that visit, Minnesota's right on the forefront for him, although they're going to have to fend off a few schools. Uh, Austin Crowley was the guy who was going to visit Minnesota last fall. The week before that, he visited Purdue and pulled the trigger, committing to them. But he is now open because Bryce Drew lost his job. Minnesota is going to try to get in on that, but so is everybody else in the nation because everybody needs players, but there's only so many left. So you look at those two names, Grant Sherfield and Austin Crowley. If you grab one, that's big. They're also looking at some foreign, um, I guess that's way, international players, uh, players from Europe. Isaiah Innan, who's coming, he told me he's coming in on a visit in August. Excuse me, August. It would, August wouldn't do very well. <laughs> April is when he's coming in here. He's from Germany. He's a six foot nine power forward. Plays at the International Basketball School, excuse me, International Basketball Academy in Munich. Has several high major offers. You know, Oregon, Arizona State, Tennessee, TCU. These are Texas. These are the schools that Minnesota is competing with, and they're going to get a visit out of him. There's also a guy that's going to visit in May, who's from Italy, six five shooting guard Federico. Oh man. I don't remember how to say this name. It's like Miyashi? Mi, Miyashi? I don't know, man. Federico. Let's go with Federico. It'll be Federico. a one-name thing. We're going to go with Federico. <laughs> so they're looking at some international players. They're looking at some – they're looking at the two guards talked about and some bigs. And the thing, the thing I want to leave you with on the recruiting is Minnesota's had – Minnesota head coach Richard Pitino's had a lot of success – in short window recruiting. And what short window recruiting is, is basically spring where you try to get a transfer, where you got to try to get a grad transfer, where you try to get some of these spring guys who you're just becoming familiar with because they opened up or their name just popped up. The window is short. You only have so much time to build a relationship and come on a visit. And most of these guys are desperate to find a school, so it's short window recruiting. Well, Minnesota's been great with that. Reggie Lynch, um, Marcus Carr, Jordan Murphy was a short window spring recruit. Like, how huge was that? Yeah. Keem Springs, the X factor to their last tournament run before this year. You know, Reggie Milinch, of course, was the defensive player of the year before he he was suspended by the university. And that's just the main four names. There's other names like DeAndre Matthew really helped. Joey King helped. You know, you could go down the list. There's a lot of them. So uh, Peyton Willis is the guy who transferred here from Vanderbilt last year. So. That short window recruiting, with the names I mentioned earlier, also look at some transfers. There's good, they're going to need a big, and I could see them getting a big out of the transfer window. So 
So let's talk about arguably the best prospect in Minnesota this year. And not arguably, I mean, he is. He's uh, You guys uh, at, uh, at Prep Hoop had him ranked as the number five prospect, and that's Matthew Hurt. Now he's got kind of the, the, the five narrowed down schools. And, and if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Minnesota is in his top five, but uh, we have to compete with Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, and North Carolina. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's really six schools right now that he's at the McDonald's all America practices. And a lot of people are out there writing, uh, you know, they're meeting with him and interviewing him and writing with him, writing stories on him after meeting with him. Um, some people have kind of said it's down to four schools. It's not. Uh, the schools are Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, Minnesota, and Memphis. He didn't visit Minnesota and Memphis officially, so therefore a lot of people I think are pulling pulling those you know pulling Minnesota and Memphis out of the out of the running because of that. But those names ha- those teams haven't been officially taken out. Um, you know, Matthews said to be wanting to make his uh, his decision on the, in the third week in April, or, you know, and and with with Matt. I mean, I think that could happen, but with Matt, it's yeah, he's going to wait to have the right feel. And what I mean by that is, which school, who lost players for the draft, who lost players to transfer? Did somebody lose a coach? Now, all those big name teams, it doesn't. You know, we don't expect Bill Self or Roy Williams to go anywhere. But at the same time, you have to watch for it. And Matt, because Matt's so talented, he can wait it out and see what happens. So, it could go a lot of different directions. You know, right now, if I had to pick right now, I'd say Duke. But I'll tell you what, if if Trey Jones let's say, goes pro, you know, if he goes pro and is a first round draft pick, that it could be right back. Right, right, we go right back in circles and start over again. So I think Matt could go a number of different places. Just depends on what happens with those rosters through the spring. So I I know it's tough to gauge, but do you think? I mean, do you think there's any chance that he chooses Minnesota in this in this selection, or is this another? top tier Minnesota talent that we're going to miss out on. I would probably say that this, that he's probably going to go to this one of their schools. Um, that's just kind of the way it's led to. Uh, it's, I believe it's, he was going to want to play for one of these, one of these national championship contenders. I believe that's what he wants to do. Um, I don't know that. I mean, maybe he has a change of heart and, and cause he hasn't officially eliminated, eliminated them yet, but at the same time he hasn't taken an official visit here yet either. Okay. Uh, so let's move on to the uh, to the 2020 class real quick. Um, there's a couple other guys too um, to to look out for in the upcoming years. You know, Chet Holmgren, uh, class of 2021, I believe, and then uh, Prince Oligby in the class of 2022. But the class of 2020 has a guy by the name of Jalen Suggs, uh, who is a dual sport athlete here at Minnehaha Academy uh, in in Minnesota. He plays football. He plays basketball. Last I saw, looks like he's got somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 20 to 23 offers. Um, and he, he's kind of taken his time. And, and a lot of people have said that the Gophers have a decent chance to land him. Is that, is that what you're hearing as well? Yes. Um, with Jalen, I, I don't think – some people were wondering when he's going to close the door on football. Jalen is such an interesting kid, such an interesting athlete. I don't know that he'll ever close the door on football. I mean, his best friends are top football players like – Caden Johnson and Terry Lockett, some of his best friends, I should say. Um, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't ever expect him to close that door anytime soon. Anyway, I know he's got a great relationship with PJ Fleck, 
which leads me to think, you know, there is a chance that he would want to play for P.J. in the fall. And then, you know what, if he's on the field, then he plays, and then he joins the basketball team when the football, when the, when the football season's over. And if he's, let's say he's the second, third-string quarterback, then maybe if he's third-string as a freshman, he gets on the court and plays as a freshman for the basketball team. Yes, there is a chance that that could happen. Yes, he is interested in it. Yes, he's got a good relationship with the staffs on, with both those staffs. But also, Jalen's also been to his offers from those programs from Georgia. You know, he has them from Ohio State, and he's visited Ohio State. You know, he's he's visited Iowa in these regards. So it it could go a lot of different directions. But Minnesota fans should have hope just because Jalen is has a lot of pride in his Minnesota roots. He's got a lot of pride in being from St. Paul, and he's got a lot of pride in what he's done at Minnehaha Academy. And for those reasons, you know, and, and if his friends, let's say Caden Johnson, who's at Minnesota, I believe today, on a football visit, let's say Caden goes to Minnesota. Well, that's that's going to help Jalen. You know, let's say Terry Lockett, who was at, I think it's Spire Academy in Ohio State and is on his way back to Minnehaha for next year. Let's say he comes back and he becomes a wide receiver at Minnesota football. And maybe he wants, to, he wants to play point guard for the Gophers as well because Terry is a good basketball player. Then you have that at there too. So there's so many, there's so many ways things could go. And the one thing I want to tell you about Jalen Suggs is Jalen is a different kid. He is, Jalen is his own kid. He's his own human being. And I just don't see Jalen Suggs doing what other people constantly do. Whereas a lot of Minnesota kids have gone to Duke, will go to Duke. That's just Jalen's different. Jalen is his own. He's just Jalen's himself, and he can. I feel. I feel like Jalen wants. Jalen wants to make a name for himself, and he doesn't need. It doesn't matter what's on the jersey. It could be Arizona State. It could be Hawaii. It could be Georgia. You know. You know. I, with Jalen, he's just. He's just. That's the way he is. Uh, he wants to pave his own path and that's something that exactly that I've been I've been a strong advocate for for some of these guys like you know I mean even Trey Jones I I know in my heart of hearts that there was no chance he was coming here but it's like why go why follow in your brother's footsteps why you know make make your own name pave your own path so hopefully uh Jalen Suggs gets that uh that that path paved and comes to Minnesota um now real quick I'll touch on the other two then we'll get into attorney stuff uh Chet Holmgren and uh, Prince Oligby, have they both been offered by the Gophers yet? Do you know? Chet has. Chet was offered a long time ago, along with the several other schools that have offered Prince. Prince doesn't have too many offers yet. I believe it's Western Kentucky, Florida, maybe one other one as well. Maybe it's ta- I, can't, I can't. I think I saw Illinois as well Illinois on, his, was, on yes, the list. Illinois is one of them. Uh, Minnesota is likely coming, but he's just a fr- he's such a young guy. He's a freshman. Six foot six, athletic, explosive freshman. Prince's day will definitely come. As far as Chet goes, Chet is a completely unique game changer. You just watch those state tournament games. What he did behind the defense was phenomenal. I mean, he just controlled games this year defensively, where to the point where you had an eleven foot wall, people had to go over, and it, they missed. You know, it's buckets <laughs> you, go the you, other you, way, man. Yeah, you're and, not getting you're not getting the rebound over them, and it's it'll be fun to watch him progress over the next two years of uh of high school ball as well because i i have a feeling minihaha academy is going to be a, a powerhouse in the state for some time yes definitely so let's let's move on to the ncaa tourney uh we we kind of talked a little bit about the gophers in michigan state but uh overall what are your thoughts on this year's tourney i feel at least in my mind it's a little bit more competitive from the overall standpoint of you know we saw some 16 seeds you know, early on in their games, kind of take it to the ones. We saw 
you know, 12-5 upsets. We saw 13-4 upsets this year. It just feels overall like it's a lot more competitive. Well, I've enjoyed it. There's been a lot of fun competitive games when I've been able to watch. Obviously, it's hard to cover a state tournament and an NCAA tournament at the exact same time. <laughs> um, but but when I've been able to when I've been able to get my eyes on the NCAA tournament, like last night's Central Florida versus Duke game, or yesterday's Iowa versus oh man, who did Iowa just lose to? For uh, crying out loud, is that Cincinnati? No, it wasn't. Cincinnati. No, that was the first round. Uh, Iowa played. Uh... Oh my gosh, I'm blinking now too. Oh, it's Tennessee. It was Tennessee, Tennessee. Yep. That was, you know, that there was so many points of that game that I really enjoyed. Um, and I love. There's a lot of storylines I've liked. I did not like the Minnesota Louisville storyline. Uh, I thought that was kind of ridiculous to put the the coaches in that position when they're trying to concentrate on a game. But like, I really enjoyed the local Trey Jones versus Vinny Shahid. You know, guys that played in the state tournament three years ago going to head to head in the first round. NDSU giving them a run for 20 minutes. You know, yep. that was fantastic. I absolutely, you know, hey, Oregon beat Wisconsin. The NCAA gives Wisconsin one of the hottest teams in basketball, and now they're in the Sweet 16, and Minnesota's, or Wisconsin was the first Big 12, Big 10 team out. You know what? Didn't hurt my feelings one bit. <laughs> well, and um, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big Oregon fan myself. Uh, you know, it started, it started with football back in the uh, – the, the Harrington days and, and kind of has more recently transferred over to basketball. And, and I'll tell you that, that Oregon team is, uh, I, I think a 12 seed was a, a gross underestimate for them on their, on their seating, you know, especially even winning the PAC 12. You know, it kind of reminded me when Minnesota got middle Tennessee state, when middle Tennessee state, some thought they'd be in an eight, nine, and all of a sudden they're a 12 yep. playing Minnesota without a keen Springs with Nate Mason hamper. It kind of reminded me of that, you know, Oregon's in the sweet 16, they're going to make a run. You know, they're, they're going to try to make that run. But, you know, can Virginia get it done? You know, they almost got scared against – they almost got that – they got through that scare against Gardner-Webb. Now they're in the Sweet 16. That Oregon-Virginia game is going to be definitely something to watch. And we've had so much excitement, like, the jo, you know, watching Ja Morant just absolutely take Marquette down. You know, another highlight of the tournament. And then, again, back to VCU-Duke. Like – how, that game was so intriguing, had so many storylines. There was so much passion, you know, and, yeah, yeah, Central Florida, they got screwed a couple times. So there's been so much excitement in this tournament. There has been balance, and it's just been so fun. Yeah, Aubrey Dawkins with 32 points in that game. And then, you know, you got, you got Taco Fall, which, you know, I mean, this, is, this has really been kind of his welcome into the national spotlight. I mean, you know, within the basketball community, we're all relatively familiar with Taco Fall because how do you miss a guy who's seven six, seven seven, and you know has only been playing for a couple of years and is now in the NCAA tournament? But it was really his first introduction into the national spotlight. And I mean, he had what? He had uh, I think fifteen in the game, six rebounds, a, you know, an opening putback dunk on his own missed shot. I mean, you just you see those kind of uh, uh, players that you don't expect to see normally in this kind of spotlight. Yeah, and watching him dunk was absolutely comical. It's like how I throw something in, you know, it's like how I throw something in the wastebasket. Just like, boop, yep. okay. You know, and it was also comical watching Duke players try to go at him. I mean, he's a wall. Trying to score over the top of him, he was a wall. And it forced Duke to try to shoot more jumpers, to shoot more mid-range jumpers, to go and miss contested shots around the rim. That's why I was just so it, – it angered me so much last night when the foul they called as a fifth foul was called because he, 
if you're gonna if he's gonna you're gonna take him out of the game, which absolutely changes everything Central Florida's doing yep. on both ends of the floor. It completely takes away their de- defensive advantage for their where they're playing. And that's the call you take him out on. It was it was infuriating, especially considering Zion just absolutely bullied the dude before him on the spin move. So that was frustrating. And then after Zion misses the free throw, everyone was looking at the hook and hold on the left side of your screen. But dude who scored the basket, who I can't remember what it was, pushed the UCF guy two hands in the middle of the back. Yep. You know, it was it was frustrating. It yeah, was that's really that's frustrating. been a that's been a topic that that we've discussed here on the on the show is the. Uh, the the refereeing so far in this tournament has been pretty suspect and and that was uh that was one that I think would have changed the whole the whole facet of the game and even with that UCF had the opportunity to win it late and that uh uh that that layup basically just rimming out on the uh on the tail end of things hold up let's go to the monitor I mean how many times have we seen that <laughs> hold yep. up let's go to the monitor yep Hold yeah, up. they they want to talk about pace of play, and they take an extra five ten minutes every time they head to that monitor. Yes, we got to add two point two seconds. <laughs> well, uh, again, we are joined by Ryan James at Ryan James MN. He is definitely worth the follow for all of your local high school as well as a lot of the college stuff. This NCAA tournament, he's been putting out great articles uh, and go for Illustrated writing for fifteen years. Ryan, once again, man, thank you so much for joining us on the show and. Uh, We'll definitely have to have you back here sometime soon. Excellent. Well, thanks for having me. All right. So this is our talker segment here on the Howl, part of Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. We've got a lot to cover and uh, not a lot of time to do it. So we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it. Rob, what's your uh, what's your first talker we got for tonight? Now I'm not sure if you saw this. Did you see the story about Lou Williams and the interaction he had with someone that pulled a gun on him? I did not see this. So this is not necessarily recently, but it was it was from a podcast from last year, I guess. Someone mentioned, and I, I wanted to kind of just go over this little quote from him I thought was really interesting. So Lou Williams goes, I didn't talk him out of killing me. Once he said what he said, I came up with a solution, but I didn't talk him out of it. Once he said what he said, I didn't tell him, hey, man, wait. He goes, the story is I was at the barbershop. I get my hair cut in the hood, 22nd in Indiana in the hood. My security was with me at the barbershop. We leave the barbershop. I'm at the light. He called me. He said, you good? I said, yeah, I'm straight. He said, all right, good. I watched him do a U-turn behind me and pull off. I reached down and started playing my phone sitting at the light. I look up and hear a knock at the window. I look up. Dude got the gun. I don't know why I didn't get out of the car. I should have got out of the car, but instinctively I rolled the window down. I rolled the window down, and he told me to get out of the car. We made eye contact, and he said, damn, Lou, I can't even do it to you. He just said, damn, Lou, I can't even do it to you. The next thing he said was, man, as much as you do for the city, as much as you do for the neighborhood, I can't even do you like that. So what ended up happening is in North Philly, again, I was a dream chaser. I've known Meek before the world knew Meek. When it was cold out, we would give out coats and sweaters. We did it out of pocket, going to Burlington Coat Factory ourselves, pulling up in U-Haul trucks and pulling stuff out. We used to do these things. Camps in the summertime, it was just a community that embraced me. This dude was from that community. He said, I just got out of jail. I'm hurting. I'm hungry. All I got is this gun. So I took, so I look around. There's McDonald's right there, and I told him, bro, if you pull in, let's go, and I'll buy you anything you want to eat. It wasn't like he robbed me, and, and, then, he got in, and then we got in the car. I just told him, I'll buy him whatever, and that's what I did. We sat there and chopped it up. He was just like, I'm down and out here. I told him, bro, I get it, but this ain't the way. My God. What a crazy story. So 
it's it's moments like this because I I like Lou Will the player. Um, I think he's one of the best six men in NBA history for sure. Uh, but this makes me like him even more. I mean, you hear about. I mean, this this easily could have gone awry. We could be talking, you know, rest in peace, Lou Williams. All of this very yeah, easily. Yeah, you just don't know very easily. But man, Lou Will is a stand up guy, and the fact that like. You know, the guy that, that robbed him just happened to be in the neighborhood that Lou Will did all of this, recognized him, and still just had the, the wherewithal and the realness to say, you know, I, I can't do this to a guy who's helped out the community. I mean, that's just, man, that's scary. But it's like, but Lou Will is a, is a very good dude. Yep. I, I mean, really a cool story and, and just glad that it went the way that it did. I mean, it could have, like you said, it could have gone any other way, but... It worked out okay, and, and hopefully that man's turned his life around and was able to you know, get things fixed up because, like Lou said, that's just not the way, and, and hopefully he figured that out and was able to take this really cool gesture by Lou Williams and, and kind of maybe pay it forward or you know, maybe decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to make this work. So I just thought that was a really cool story. Now, I want to move on to no, – we'll talk other NBA stuff, but one thing I do want to touch on, of course, is the tournament. Yes, we've got a lot to talk about with we the do. tournament. We so, do. One thing I really want to touch on to start off with is let's first let me ask you this: How was your how was your bracket? I know you only did one. Yeah, so I filled out one. I put it in three groups. I've actually got fourteen of the sixteen Sweet Sixteen uh, teams right. Nice. So I didn't get Houston and I didn't get Texas Tech. Gotcha. I was I was kind of really iffy on Texas Tech, and I actually had Arizona State um, in the Sweet Sixteen. So basically, winning their first round game and then yep. beating Houston. Yep, that makes sense. Um, I, I, uh, it were, yeah, it was Buffalo, I think. Um, uh, though, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy. Otherwise, I picked Oregon, which is my squad. Um, I, I was a little bit of a homer in picking the Gophers over uh, Louisville, but then I was a realist and picked Michigan State. I would have, yep. I would have been happy to see Minnesota in uh, and beat Michigan State, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm super thrilled with where I'm at right now. How's your bracket going? It, well, so I did about 50 brackets. Now, I only, do, I only did one pay bracket. And in that one, I'm doing I'm right in the middle of the pack. I think I still have an outside shot. But what hurt me the most was Nevada. I, See, I picked that. We, we watched the first round of games together, the first yep. night of games. And uh, I had Florida, and he had Nevada. And it was back and forth all night with Nevada, that. Nevada, that Caleb, I believe his name's Caleb Martin. Oh. And we actually encountered him uh, when we were doing some simulations for our other show, the 2K League show. And I just, I'm so frustrated with that guy. I, I, I have to wonder, how do you have twins? A set of twins. One of them learns how to shoot properly. One doesn't. How does that happen? Yeah. So I, it, I, I don't know if he got, did he get an injury at some point and it changed the way he shoots? Well, and that's, that's very possible. I mean, you look at, you look at not only basketball guys, but guys across all sports. And one that I'll use a lot of uh, Minnesota fans, especially baseball would know is Pat Neshek, uh, yeah. older old twins reliever from the day very true. where he, he injured his arm and he said after surgery, the only way he could throw that wasn't uncomfortable for him was the kind of submarine sidewinder. Yep. And so he adapted to it. And, and maybe, that's what, maybe that's what it is with Caleb That's what Martin. I'm wondering. But you look at his free throw shooting. Everything was short off the front iron. You look at all of his shots. It was super inconsistent. No possible way for the big men to try to get a sense of where that rebound's going to go. Um, he was, he's good on defense. He's quick. Mm-hmm. But just his shooting ability, I think that really, uh, no pun intended, shot 
Nevada in the foot. He missed a dunk, like a really big dunk at one point. It was just a very frustrating game for him, and I'm sure he was frustrated as well. The other team that I – I didn't have them in my main pay bracket making it that far, but the team that shocked me was Villanova just getting blown out in the second round. Who they lose to? You know, I can't think of which team it was off. Well, Purdue. Yeah, that's right, Purdue. Purdue. And, and here's the thing. I've watched Purdue a number of games because they're in the Big Ten. Watched the Gophers beat them more than once and pretty handily sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're that good of a team. And Villanova just got smoked. Yeah, Villanova more or less just laid down. I, I was so shocked. Jay Wright teams usually get better as the season goes on. And not that they hadn't been doing that. But once they got to the tournament, I know part of their motto is the whole mantra that they really want to be able to, to get more practice in. So it's not even necessarily about winning uh, tournament games. They just want to get more practice in. That was what they talked about last year. And then, you know, they go and win the championship. And so there's a lot to like about those squads usually. And so I really expected them to make a little bit of a run. They did not. And so for my main bracket, I had three number ones. So I had North Carolina, I had Virginia, and I had Duke, all, all of which are in it. And then I lost Nevada. So my big thing is I'm going to need some twos to lose because in the bracket I'm in, there's a lot of people that picked the twos. So Tennessee, Kentucky, Michigan State, people picked them to make runs. And I'm going to need them to lose earlier than later because I don't have any of those twos going to the Final Four. So that's going to be one of the big things for me. I also probably need Gonzaga to lose because since I didn't have them in the Final Four, <laughs> I don't need them making it. I don't need them those points going no, to other and, people. And what's nice is we saw a lot of storylines um, that that – you know, we're, we're positive storylines. So obviously we had the Gophers versus Louisville, which is a, is a completely other sided thing. But, you know, we saw the rise of John Morant. We saw uh, Fletcher McGee, um, yep. you know, making history. We saw teams like Belmont and, and 16 seeds and 15 seeds that, that competed. North Dakota State ran with Duke for a bit. Like yep. we're seeing a more, in my opinion, a more competitive uh, NCAA tournament this year than we've seen in a while. Well, and now, granted, we're not seeing a lot of massive upsets. That's what I was going to say. There's less upsets, but I think the games are But the closer. games are better, in my yeah. opinion. I think that's um, fair. And, of course, seeing the Wisconsin Badgers lose to any team, much less the Oregon Ducks, is a phenomenal tournament. But overall, me. I thought the Big Ten had a very nice first weekend. Yes. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but I thought they played pretty well. Pretty yeah. darn close to it. Iowa had that close, that close loss that could have gone either way, but a great comeback by them. Yep. You obviously saw Minnesota make it to the second game. And I would argue... Minnesota was so impressive to me. And I obviously we're Minnesota guys. That's our team. And I'm a huge Gopher fan. I love Richard Bettino, but I was so impressed with the fight you got from the Gophers in that second round game. You're missing Jordan Murphy. You're no, already no missing Matt Stockman either. Yep. You're already missing Eric Curry, who a few weeks ago uh, hurt his, you know, got hurt his leg again. He's out for the year. So you're really short staffed and credit, even though he hasn't really had the best career for us, I, you know, I credit Michael Hurt for stepping in and playing well. Jarvis Omersa, the yep. freshman. Omersa played really well. For, for what you were, I mean, I don't think you had necessarily high expectations for some of these players, and I was just very impressed that they could step up and at least be productive. At one point in the second half, we got it to nine points. Yeah. Now, of course, the great Cassius Winston jumps in and all of a sudden takes over when you got to nine points, and all of a sudden it's 17 points, and, and you really never, you, know, you were never close again at that point. But I was super impressed by that. I'm a huge Jordan Murphy fan. The The problem he's going to run into at the next level is he's so undersized. At six foot six, there's just not much room for a guy that plays that power forward or center role that's only six foot six. It just doesn't work. No, but I think the, the, the two things that 
a lot of teams are going to look at, and we and we I talked about this with Ryan James a little bit yep. um, earlier. Is you know his his tenacity to rebound, and just the overall character of of who he is as a person. I think especially the rebounding, but that character side of things, and and a guy that's going to come in and work, and a guy that can that can stay healthy. I mean, if you look, he he only missed you know basically one game in his career, and that was the game against Michigan State. He never missed a practice. He never missed a game in full. I mean, Jordan Murphy is is the second best rebounder all time in the Big Ten. All time. So I think he's going to get some run. I think um, he might start overseas. He might start in the G League. I don't think he's going to go right to an NBA roster. But Jordan Murphy, I think, is going to have some success in the NBA for a franchise. And whatever thing, franchise gets him is going to be incredibly lucky to have the him. The big thing he's going to have to work on is if he could figure out a way to be a better passer and hit consistently a three-point shot. Yep. Now, granted, you saw him. He actually hit a few big threes in the tournament, but that's not his game. But if he could – I, I kind of look at it this way. If he could get a more consistent three-point shot, he's very similar if you really think about it. Now, he's not a big dribbler. He's not a ball handler. But in terms of just the, the style of his game, think about who he compares to that used to play for the Wolves, but Shabazz Muhammad. Yeah. Very back-to-the-basket-centric fights for rebounds. Now, they're different players just, you know, when you think of Shabazz, you don't think of a Jordan Murphy type player, but just they're around the same size in terms of height. Obviously, Shabazz was a bigger guy, but Jordan Murphy's not small necessarily. No. But he fights for those rebounds, and if he could figure out a three-point shot and maybe just be a a decent passer out of the post, which I think he is a pretty good passer because he got double teamed quite a bit. Yeah, he can. I mean, when you're the when you're playing the Gophers, the one thing you know is that Jordan Murphy's going to get the ball, and Jordan yeah. Murphy is a guy that can beat you. And so, at the next level, it's going to be really important for him to be able to do those extra things because he doesn't have that size. And that's where I think he'd make his bread and butter as maybe kind of a I guess a small ball four, and then some sort of a kind of a three slash four hybrid. The, the tough part you run into is, uh, and a good example of this would be, remember Derek Williams? Yep. He was also a tweener, and that, that's what throws you off is in today's NBA. Now, I will say this. Now, as opposed to 10 years ago. It's a little different. It's because way different. You've got a guy like Luka who plays some point. Like, he could, he could play point guard, yep. but mostly shooting guard, small forward. You've got a guy like Zion who, you know, it was, it was said in commentary you know, you can put him at any of the five positions, which yep. a I think is ludicrous because somebody his height playing center in the NBA, it's not going to work. He's athletic, but he needs. Well, I mean, so different for, than Draymond Green playing center. It's I still think it's a little different. I don't know. I guess but, we'll see. But I, I I see Draymond as more like a, a three or four kind of spot guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, the big thing with Jordan Murphy too is that he he wasn't as heralded as Derek Williams was coming out of school. Correct, but. I think Jordan Murphy can find success in the NBA. Yeah. I, I, a lot of it's going to depend on the situation he goes to. It's going to take some time. He has to improve his game. I do hope he gets a chance to go to the Combine. He'd be one of those guys I'd really like to see just get an opportunity yes. there. To, just to show some stuff. Play in those, um, I think it's like three on three or four on four games that they do. Yep. And just get a chance to kind of put himself out there, get some interviews done. I think a lot can be gained for a player of his stature that maybe needs to take that next step and find a way to impress. Now, he obviously impressed on the court, but just given his measurables, I just think there's other ways that he'd be able to get teams on his side, and he can definitely do that at the Combine. So, so that'll be interesting. Um, obligatory couple-minute Oregon Duck talk here. 
Um, I want to cover both men's and women's because both teams yeah. are in the tournament right now. Go for it. Uh, Sabrina Ionescu, a senior point guard for Oregon, the Lady Ducks, uh, just had her 18th triple-double of her career against Indiana in the second round of the women's NCAA tournament. Um, look for her to be a, even, in my opinion, a top three pick in this year's draft. Yeah. Um, phenomenal. And she's absolutely phenomenal. And on the men's side, uh, for me, Kenny Wooten, um, and I mentioned him on Twitter, you and I talked a little bit. So just to give you an idea, Rob, he's a freshman. And he's a good player. He's, he's a great player. So pac 12, all defensive team selection, one of two freshmen to appear in every game this season. Uh, 2.6 blocks per game, which is 15th nationally. Um, had 92 total blocks this season, ninth most in the NCAA. Uh, also third on the uh, University of Oregon single season and Pac-12 freshman list. Uh, only um, a guy who's currently playing in the NBA, Jordan Bell, uh, had more blocks in a uh, round one game than, uh, than Wooten did against Oregon. And Wooten had five. Uh, kid is very good. Peyton Pritchard, their point guard. Um, he's got a couple more years left. He's phenomenal. Uh, the Oregon Ducks, a lot of people slept on, but they're playing some revenge ball right now after winning the Pac-12 and only getting a 12 seed in this NCAA tournament. I'm interested to see where have you know have you seen where Wooten, for example, where he's looked in terms of mock drafts? Have I haven't seen his name pop up a lot, um, and I would be. I would be very curious to, to, to see if he goes this year. I could see him maybe staying one more year. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, if the, if the, the price is right, you know, I, he could definitely come out, but I just, I don't think Wooten will come out this year. Um, yeah. Cause I he's think, not even, he's not even listed. The only Oregon player listed, of course, would be bowl bowl is correct. Obviously listed. And that's, that's the other thing too. Oregon beat Wisconsin and then beat UC Irvine. They won the Pac-12, all three of those, without Bo Bull, who's been injured. Yep, it's like, been a long time. They're playing really, really well. Uh, yeah, I don't see Wooten on, this, on the, uh, um, um, the mock drafts that I'm looking at here. Are you a little surprised that Bo Bull is not going to come back? No, I'm not. Even with the injury, he doesn't want a chance to prove himself? Or maybe, I guess, part so, of it- So here's, here's my thinking with Bull. He's injured now. He'd be healthy to go by the 2019-2020 season. At this point, him coming back to Oregon for another season would only hurt his stock, I think. I, well, and I was going to say, my thing would be, too, he, you don't want to get injured again. Exactly. Because, because big then at men that and point, foot injuries are not... Because then at that point, you're basically undrafted, and you're hoping. And, and, then, and then at that point, you're staying another two years... That's kind of where I was going with that. Try yep. to play yourself back into maybe the second round or late first, whereas right now he could be a lotto guy. Like just the the value of him entering the draft is as high as it could possibly be, and I don't think he would want to risk that. Let's uh, just while we're on this subject, I want to I want to touch on this real briefly, but then I want to get back into uh, tournament talk after yeah. that. But I just wanted to go over so NBADraft.net. I'm not going to claim that those guys are you know the top scale in terms of mocks. In fact, I think I'm probably better. But I have not done anything with mocks yet. But I just kind of wanted to go over some of the bigger names from the tournament and where they have them kind of slated. I'm actually on there right now, too. So, yeah, yeah. let's, let's so talk about I'm it. I'm just curious uh, with some of this stuff just to kind of go over some of the bigger names in the tournament and kind of who's still available and who's still in the tournament as opposed to guys that are out. So, no shock, your top three are Zion Williamson, John Morant, and R.J. Barrett. 
Also, no shock that Duke is as good as they are, given two of the top three guys are on the one team. Well, so the other thing, too, is this uh, This was last updated March 15th. So none of the, the previous NCAA tournament games yep. have been factored into this decision. But yep. I think that one and two is uh, is spot on. Yep, I think it makes a lot of sense. R.J. Barrett's been solid. He's a really good player. You look at some of the next names on the list. As far as the Wolves are concerned, if we look at some of the names that maybe we'd be interested in, you have uh, Ru Hachimura would be an interesting guy with Gonzaga. Very, very good player. Kobe White has been a really popular name. It's hard to come up. but as they ha- So they have him here as fifth. I don't think he's that high, but I do think he's jumped up enough where he probably will be gone by the time the Wolves pick. Well, and, and you look here, too, as, as to who they have him going to in this mock, which is Atlanta. Atlanta's got Trey Young. You could yep. potentially put Kobe White as a, as your shooting guard, but I think I think Atlanta likes Trey Young enough that they do not take a point guard. And again, generally, I don't know that NBA Draft.net always takes into account the the position, needs of the team. The need. I think they're just like this is the area they'd be slotted at. That's part of it. Um, one guy I'm very curious. I need to dig into him more. But that KZ Akpala from Stanford, uh, a, a wing. He's got great size at six foot eight. 195 pounds. He's a sophomore. I want to look into him more. Yep. I'm very interested in what he brings to the table. Another name that jumps off the list. Now, he's not in the tournament. His team didn't make it. In fact, their coach just got fired recently. But from Vanderbilt, Darius Garland. Now, he's been hurt, and he's been out for most of the season. But he's another interesting name. And a lot yeah, of it he's, does. He's getting a lot of steam as of late. A ton of steam. And so he'd be an interesting player for my money that I'd, I'd kind of wonder about. One guy that I've seen on a lot of lists, now, again, you're not seeing him in the tournament. He's been on all year, but Jonte Porter, not for the Wolves necessarily, but he's a player I was really, really high on pre his injury. And, and I wonder now, every math draft I've seen has him going into the draft. I wonder where he gets drafted because depending on where he goes, someone's going to get an absolute steal. Yeah. Well, the big thing is they're going to get a steal if he can stay healthy. That's no, the biggest it, question. Well, but it, I mean, just talent-wise, it's not like he has a history of injuries necessarily. So you wonder how. But it, the fact that he's coming out, it's probably very similar to Bull Bull in the fact well, and, that it's a player that just doesn't clear, want to take a chance. He just re-injured himself, right? Or am I thinking of somebody else? I think you're thinking of someone else. It was one of the porters just re-injured himself. Hmm, I, that's not something I'm familiar with. You have to look it up. But I had not heard that. Um, Unless, because because Jonte, I don't know how he would have injured himself because he's not even playing. Yeah, so Jonte Porter re-injured himself. Oh, he re-tears his ACL. I yes. have not heard that. Yes. Wow. So that was uh, as of like a couple days ago. Um, well, you got to wonder if maybe. Mizzou, Mizzou confirmed Saturday that Porter re-injured the knee ligament he tore last fall. He could undergo a second ACL surgery as early as this week. That's ridiculous. I mean, tough break for him. And, and you look at him and his brother. Clearly, just really bad injury luck when it comes to that family. That's really unfortunate. Good thing you mentioned that. I was not, I had not seen that yet. Yeah, I they, saw that. Now they have that him, was pretty crazy. They have they have him down at twenty three. I, I I my guess is he probably. Well, first of all, I don't think he would even get drafted if he was to stay in. My guess is he doesn't stay in at this point. So a let's, second ACL. Let's man. let's play this game, Rob. Taking a look at at uh, some of the names in the second round projections right now. So. Jalen McDaniels, Trey Jones is on there, PJ Brandon Washington, Clark. Admiral Schofield, uh, Kai Bowman. Sagaba Kanate, another player that we've yep. we've used in simulations. That's a pretty good player. Uh Shamori Pons, Fletcher McGee. So just some of those names that, that you see on that on that list that we just went over. Do you see any of those guys maybe playing themselves into the first round? 
um, through this NCAA tournament. Uh, Brandon Clark's a guy that I would – I mean, again, NBADraft.net, I don't know how accurate they usually are. A lot of times you'll find a guy pretty down, far down the list, and you're going to say to yourself, how is he this far down? So, uh, yes, I think there's some guys – one guy that I think probably hurt himself in the tournament just because they, he just didn't have a great showing and his team was poor was Marcus Howard out of Marquette. Now, they have him in the second round. I know he. I've kind of seen him all over the place, but that's an interesting name to me. He's a junior, so he's you know he's a little older. He's only five eleven, so very similar to what we talked about with um, I'm drawing a blank on his name now, but uh, the Gopher Jordan Murphy, uh, very similar to Jordan Murphy. It's a player that is undersized and really needs to to show out to have you know that change. And I, I definitely don't think he helped himself in this tournament. Looking at some of the other names that you mentioned, uh, and, and maybe some other names that we've maybe not talked about. On this episode, but in other ones, uh, Darius Basley is another guy that, that yep. I find very interesting that's on this list. But specifically looking at the guys in the tournament, P.J. Washington, I'm a huge fan of his. But, of course, you know he injured his foot and he's missed games. And so you know that, that really hurts him because he's not able to take that next step. He's not able to show off in the tournament and maybe raise his stock. You know That's, that's a guy that obviously hurts. Trey Jones has looked really, really good defensively. The one thing that hurts Trey Jones – is uh, his inability to shoot at a high level, specifically from three-point range. I know uh, Tyus Jones actually visited him and, and actually helped him out during the season a little bit. And if you watched in the game, they were daring him to shoot. Yep. And so kinda, that's... Kind of Ricky Rubio-esque. And so you see his name here in the second round. While I don't think he's going to be a second-round pick ultimately, I do think that's a guy that you're going to probably get later, very similar to when we got Tyus Jones, you know, in the 20s, that... That could be a really, really productive player. He's one of the top defensive players in the country. Well, let me let me ask you this question. So Tyus obviously hasn't said one way or another if he's or uh, Trey, sorry, if he's going to come out this year. It's it's expected that he will. But if if we see him maybe falling in this high second range, like this is projecting, could he stay a second year? I'd be shocked if he stayed, just because you don't want to take the chance of getting injured, especially given. Think about this. If Duke wins the championship, how is he going to raise his stock anymore? Exactly. I just don't see how he's going to do it. And so that's why it makes a lot of sense for him to want to come up this year. So I, I, with that in mind, I want to transition a little bit. Uh, Duke is a, you know, is a good place to start. Talking about specifically the Duke versus uh, Central Florida game. Because i got to be honest. a phenomenal game. Great game, but I, it left a bad taste in my mouth because... I know some people are not going to like hearing this, but what a terribly officiated game that was. I, I watched that game, and, and you know when it ends, I found myself just very, very frustrated, probably angrier than I should have been given I'm not, a, I'm not necessarily a UCF fan, but I was, I was quite angry. I got into a number of arguments on Twitter, but you talk about at the end of the game, Taco Fall, I, I just thought, really got screwed because, number one, there, was, there were two calls earlier on him that were, were really poor, I thought. And one of them was in the first half because around with the 10-minute mark, he actually had to come out of the game. He already had two fouls yep. in the first half. That second foul was complete BS, if you ask me. And that starts it because just like that, this game-changing center, Taco Fall, has to come out of the game for the whole rest of the first half. Huge coup for Duke, who was able to build a, a, a decent lead going into halftime. And then you come out of halftime, VCU – or sorry, uh, UCF comes out and they're able to make a run now that Taco Falls in. I think they started 7-0 was the run to start the second half. 
And so it's a huge difference having him out there. And there were a number of calls that, that really I think they got screwed on. Now, I, I did kind of a plus minus when it came to the fouls because everyone wants to say, oh, it always equals out. It always equals out. I would argue that if you take the bad calls that went against him and then there was at least one or two bad calls they missed, he should have still been in the game at the end of that game because there, there were more calls that went against them that went for them. And part of that too was the play where he goes out so Zion Williamson drives. To me, he clearly charges. In fact, he even extends his arm. And, and um, Taylor was the guy that was guarding him. Just gets thrown back. Easily should have been a foul. But on top of that, let's say that he gets through. Let's say you don't call that foul. And, he, and Zion Williamson scores. Well, when he misses his free throw, I think it was, um, it was either Cam Reddish or R.J. Barrett goes over the back of one of the Central Florida players. That should have been another foul. So either way, UCF would have still had the lead. Instead, you have a huge advantage because he grabs the rebound, gets an easy two points, and all of a sudden Florida's losing. And I was so frustrated by that. Can I, can I ask you, because I already know the answer, how good is Dawkins for really? UCF? My I, I got to watch more, though. I have to watch more from him. He had like 42 points in the game. Now, his dad is the coach, yes, Johnny coach's, Dawkins. Coach's son, yep. And he was obviously a, a very successful player in his own right when he played. Man. I, mean, I, I need to watch more of him. I can't say that I know a lot about his game. I don't either. And I'm and not so, going to claim to. But, I mean, just the, the one game I test against a tough team like Duke, my Lord, I'd like to watch good. more of him. He, he had some really difficult shots. Uh, Taylor for, for UCF was really good as well. And here's the thing. I'm not trying to take away from Duke. Duke is a really good team. I have Duke winning it all in my bracket. So it's not like I'm sitting here going, man, I had, I had Central Florida winning it, winning that game, and I'm really mad about that. I didn't. I thought they would lose that game. I thought they'd get there. But – I didn't have them winning, and so it's not like I'm, you know, I'm not crazy about this. I just, I just thought that game, and I would say overall, I think the the officiating in the tournament has not been good. Yeah, and that's been really frustrating for me. Um, one other thing I want to touch on here with the tournament specifically, uh, shout out to Flurry Sports. But what they actually did was, so this is FlurrySports.org. They actually took the Sweet 16 and they reseeded it. Okay. So I thought that was kind of cool. So reseeded it one through 16. So, so can I guess? Can I guess the top two? Sure. What are the top two? Duke and North Carolina. Duke and North Carolina are the top two. But let's go over the other ones. So, what do you think is? If you had to guess, what's sixteen? Sixteen, I would say. Right, okay, hold on. This is going to be really bad, but I need to look at the the list of teams. Well, what's the are... name that comes off? I mean, think just if you could think of a team based on maybe some of the seedings that you've seen. I mean. Obviously, the lowest seed that's still in the tournament is Oregon. Your, you know, your team. Correct. But that doesn't mean that they're sixteenth. Um, no, I don't, and I don't think they are. I would say it would probably be. Gosh, that's tough. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is fifteenth. Okay, so I was close. Um, any other guesses? Auburn. Auburn is third. Holy Auburn, cow! Auburn played really well that second game. Who's sixteen? Sixteen is Oregon. Man, I just. If you, but if you look at all the other teams, no, that are I, in there, I understand that. But I would, I mean, the big thing with me is they were a Pac-12 team and they got just shafted with a 12 let's go, seed. But let's go here. Let's let's take a look here. Let's go on the list. I think I think Oregon's better than Virginia Tech. So Virginia Tech is 15, so they're right there. And I'm I, I would I would say I, I get that. I get where you're coming. I from. think Oregon could beat Florida State. Yeah, Florida State's really good. I that's tough. So here I'll go over the list. So it's okay. Oregon 16, Virginia Tech 15, Houston is 14. I think Oregon could beat Houston. 
Purdue is 13. Oregon could be Purdue. Yeah, I will say that. But I don't know that it's necessarily who could beat who. No, I understand. It's almost like a power ranking. See, and, if and you Purdue, will. Purdue is so up or down because if you look at what they did to Villanova, but they lost to the Gophers twice. Yep. So they're such an Agreed. up and down team. Eleventh is Michigan. Wow. Uh, oh my. Tenth is Kentucky. Yeah. Michigan State is ninth, which I think is fair. I do think Michigan State and Michigan. So going into the tournament, I thought they were both very overrated. Now I think Michigan State got screwed. They should not have been the worst two seed that I think that was absolutely some people said that they should have gotten the one seed over uh, Virginia they should have either gotten a one seed or they should have gotten the top two seed but putting them in the same region as Duke was absolutely absurd and if you're gonna say if let's say there were if you had a bunch of people that said all right these are all the problems I had with the with the tournament the way things were ranked this is one of the few times where I didn't think people were upset about the way the ranks went but I would say universally I don't know a single person that that agreed with that they yeah. all agreed that they should not have been the worst two seed. So then going down the list, we have uh, eight is LSU, okay. which makes sense. They have not. I don't think they've really necessarily impressed. No, they're, have, play, they're playing Michigan State, though. That's going to be a good matchup. Agreed. That's going to be a fun game. You have uh, Florida State seventh. Tennessee is sixth. Virginia's fifth. Gonzaga's fourth. Auburn is third. North Carolina, then Duke. Okay. I would say I don't know that Duke belongs in the number one seed, not because I mean maybe they're the best team, but they haven't played the best. Yeah, both of their their first two games, uh, NDSU and UCF, they've at least for for a good majority of the game they've played down to the level of the other team. Yeah, and that's not saying that NDSU or UCF are bad, but Duke is one of those teams as the number one overall seed, and and having the the you know some of the best players in the country. Especially a 16 seed, you shouldn't allow them to hang on for a half and, and yeah. change. And with the you know with UCF, you shouldn't allow them to only you know lose by a couple points. I mean, it's just it's one of those things that if you're the best team in this tournament, the number one overall seed, best players in the country, you should be winning without question. I think so. The goofy thing about this this the way they've seeded this, it almost seems like they didn't take into account how the teams actually played, except for Auburn. They because most of these just almost seems like they just re-put them in order of like their seed ranking almost. But but then Auburn's third, and so my my thing is how do you? I don't understand how they can say that Auburn was so good they should be third after that first game when they almost blew it. Yeah. So to me, I I don't I I wouldn't have Duke number one because I don't think they've been dominant enough. I would argue that both Gonzaga and North Carolina, for example, have been more dominant. Yeah, I will say Gonzaga surprised the heck out of me. Now, obviously, a one sixteen. A, a one overall seed should dominate the 16 seed yep. exactly like they did. Yep. But That's then you saying. look at what Gonzaga did to Baylor winning by 12, never really making that game close. Baylor is a good team. Yep. But I mean, Gonzaga blew them out of the water. So that's my, my thing would be, I don't know that the, I agree with the seedings and the way they've done this, but I don't know what the, I don't know what the specifics are and how they determined it. But just based on eye test, and if you even even if you want to include the original seeds, I don't I don't know if they did it justice I'm, necessarily. I'm a little worried now, Rob. I've got Michigan State beating LSU, and I'm that's that's a matchup that I'm actually pretty worried about. And then the other one I'm actually kind of worried about is uh, uh, North Carolina Auburn. Now I've got North Carolina winning the whole thing, but I think Auburn's going to give them a run for their money. Auburn's really a really really a good team. They I'm surprised the heck out of very me. Very impressed. I with will Auburn. say. They really um, surprised the heck out of me. I was not impressed in the first game, but that's a separate thing. No, and, and that was a tough, a tough, what was it, New Mexico State, right? 
I believe so, yeah. I mean, that, that was a tough game back and forth. It was. And they almost got, you know, I want to make a comment on this. We talked about bad officiating. For anyone that watched that game, it, it was such a it was such a turn of events because I'm watching it and I'm saying, man, I, I would love an upset here. Not because I, I picked Auburn to win it, but I still, I just love a good upset. But I'm watching this and I'm watching Auburn blow this game. You know, they go for, it was New Mexico State, I believe. They go for a three. Auburn fouls them. And the guy made one and I think missed two. And what bugged me was on the second miss, and this was a huge issue for me, on the second miss, Auburn is in position to grab the rebound and the guy gets, the guy goes, they go over his back and he gets completely fouled, no call. And they give the ball to New Mexico State. I'm watching this going, are you serious? And all it would have taken is he makes that shot because they had around like 1.6 seconds left. He makes that three-pointer, the game's over. They win the game. And what luckily it didn't go in. And so while I'm normally rooting for an upset, I would have been real upset if I was Auburn yeah. or an Auburn fan to to possibly lose all because of a bad call. Yep. So one of those things that's kind of frustrating. Um, but I but I think that kind of uh, it kind of righted the ship, I guess, when they ended up winning that game. But again, that's going to be one of the best matchups. I think is going to be that North Carolina Auburn game. I just think there's a lot of. That's one of the closer matchups. And if Auburn plays like they did in game two as opposed to game one, I, I do think that's going to make a huge difference too. So I, I'm, I'm very curious about that. What else uh, What else do we have on the talkers? Anything else? I think that kind of does it for us. Although I, will, I, I found this pretty funny. When I was looking through NCAA memes, uh, I found two that were pretty good. And it was basically like Duke memes, especially after the, the way that game went. Yeah. So there's a picture of Roy Williams, and he's about to slap a, a ref on their butt, and he's laughing. And, in the, and the caption is, what's this? Looks like you've got some of Coach K's lipstick on the back of your pants. <laughs> and then the other one is, what's the difference between Cameron Indoor and a porcupine? What? A, a porcupine has all its pricks on the outside. hey I thought those were pretty funny. Uh, no offense to Duke fans, by the way. I, I have a few friends that are really big Duke fans, and, and I, I really hope they do end up winning it because it's going to be fun to watch a lot of Zion. But I had to throw off some of these just because of the way that UCF game went. So, so uh, la- last thing, and then we'll, we'll move on to the, uh, the next quarter here. Uh, there are a couple uh, uh, Minnesotans uh, still with a chance to play in a home Final Four here in Minneapolis when uh, the Final Four and Championship comes. So we obviously talked about Trey, Trey Jones. Jones. Yep. Uh, Reed Travis, who plays for Kentucky, Kentucky. went to De La Salle. Yeah. And Gino Crandall. Oh, I forgot about him. Uh, who also went to De La Salle. Uh, he plays for Gonzaga. So three Minnesota guys on some of the top seeds in the tourney. Very uh, cool. Great stuff to watch there. Uh, hopefully one of Definitely. them one of them makes it to, to Minneapolis because that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be a cool storyline. Uh, so let's wrap it up there. So you are listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is The Howl.